0: Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Became fools and their foolish hearts were dark. In Romans chapter one, I'd encourage you to read And by the way, the more sin takes root, the more foolish we become. The same way that Proverbs chapter 1 talks greatly at length about what ultimately happens when God turns and laughs when calamity overtakes you like a storm. So I would encourage you to have a high view of the scripture. Do you know what that means? That means you take it in full authority as God's word and you have no problem resting on God's word. And they might call you old-fashioned. They might call you a this and they may call you that. That's fine. You can insult me for my desire to hold true and hold holy the things of God's word. I don't have an issue with that. But God forbid, should I be found having gone soft in my stance for scripture, contextualizing and explaining away what God's word clearly states to us. And I will assure you that every one of us will stand accountable for that one day, and I would even more assure you to be careful. There's one time in Scripture that the Bible says to commit suicide. You know when that is? Better to cast yourself into the ocean, right? Tie a millstone around your neck, throw yourself in the ocean, that is, to lead a little one astray. So if you have a low view of Scripture, I'd encourage you to keep it zipped because God forbid that you find yourself Leading little ones, plural, astray. May God have mercy on your soul. But tonight, verse 20, listen real close. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. We'll stop right there a second. Does anybody know what it means when Scripture says woe? This is, this is not just, this is bad uh, ooh, that's, no, this means like, woe unto you, not good, bad, seriously bad. But think, okay, think about this. It's even an affirming lifestyle choices, affirming that, oh, I was, I was born, God made me a male, and I don't want to be that way anymore, so I want to make myself a female. We're seeing that right now. Friends, you can't change your DNA. I don't care what you think about it. You can't change your pelvis. Now, when you can do that, come back and I'll say, well, you look like one, but you still one. You're either going to be a man or a woman till the day that you breathe your dying breath. And if you don't like that, it's not my problem. That's your problem. And it's not a God problem because we're here to, to follow God's plan. But if you will notice every single affront and attack on everything since I was a child is an attack on the creative order of God. Why would the enemy attack the entire structure and the creative order of God? When I was young, they robbed one of the things that I loved so much, rainbow. No longer did I go to church and be able, as, as I got older, to see a rainbow, and not my first thought process was now, oh, I wonder what the context of this rainbow is now, right? Because you want to look at, used to look at a car and have a, oh, yeah, look, they're Christians. No, you can't do that anymore. Because what they've done is they've taken this symbol Which is what? A covenantal promise of God. They robbed, they hijacked the covenantal symbol of the affirming truth that God would never destroy the earth by fire again. And they robbed that for a purpose to take and make what was good represent something evil and say, no, this represents good, not evil. Well, then we think as we progress, okay, their foolish hearts become darkened. So then, not only do you have people saying, you know, I don't, I, I'm going to turn my natural love for my family, and I'm going to go and have uh, these affections burn in a direction that God never intended. But you know, God does hear people, oh, God created me this way, really. You know what, I have an overwhelming desire to want to go rob a bank when I was young. And I should have just fed into that, right? My excuse would be, I can't help it, God made me this way. No, it's called feeding a desire that is contradictory to God's creative order. That's what it's called. It's called in its basic form something that starts with an S and ends with an N. And I'll give you three guesses what the middle letter is. Which one? It's not. You win. We got the brightest bulb in the room right now. And I don't think anybody else would have gotten it, would you? No, it's sin. And we know what it is. And sin makes us foolish. I love to use the S word in that, but I don't like saying it to the kids. It's it's a derogatory term now. When I was growing up, that was a normal word you use, but you don't say that now. But it does. It makes you foolish. It makes you dim. Your flesh heart becomes darkened the more the proclivity of these things that we feed ourselves. And I talk about this perpetually. We can feed one of two natures. We have two natures in us as Christians. What is this? We have the flesh nature, the sin nature. That as a follower of Jesus Christ, we still have a sin nature. We've been born again, and we have a spirit man now. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ. So you have the spirit man in us. And as a brand new believer, you hear me always say, listen, be really careful. The enemy's going to attack you. He wants you to railroad you. He wants to sideline you. He wants to make you ineffective, impotent for anything spiritual. So what you have to do is feed the spirit nature, the spirit man. That is the godly nature that is brand new in us. So why is it so imperative that we read God's word? Why is it so imperative that we pray without ceasing? Why is it so imperative that we break friendships with people that we realize are not good for us? That was what God did for me, leaving me home for four years. Broke a lot of friendships and relationships that were not conducive to following Christ. They were people that compelled me in the relationship structure alone to be compromisers, to go and do things and act and behave in ways that were not in line with the spirit man. And I realized what God had done is he had did the hard part with getting me isolated so that God could break these relationships and have me need him and him alone. Because we don't realize the magnitude of how important when scripture says do not be yoked with an unbeliever. It is damaging, it's deadly in friendships, in relationships, especially in marriage. You marry an unbeliever, and I just assure you, you got problems, Jack, as the old saying goes. You're in trouble. Oh, well, they're gonna get saved, I know. We're just praying for that, really. So you wanna involve yourselves in a sinful structure and then start praying because you walked into this willfully and knowingly, and now you're gonna pray that God makes everything work out great. I'm sorry, but you are deluding you are delusional and this is not God's plan it can happen in life and a lot of times it'll be when someone thinks that they're a believer and the person comes out of the closet as not a believer after they get married and you have to deal with that i recognize that but when you do that as a professed believer willingly you are in direct defiance of God's word and you better pray for a miracle because it will be a miracle if that person does come to Christ because you Willfully and knowingly violated directly word for word what God's word said See we have a problem with that systemically in our culture We have Christians that don't believe it's a big deal because you know what That teacher on uh, the preacher on TV said hey man it's the grace card No matter what I got saved and I can go live like I want to now because it's all under grace You got another thing coming if you think that I will assure you because scripture says in Cleveland Colossians 3 that I Continually quote If you have been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Set your affections on things above. What not on the things of the earth, for we are dead and our life is hid with Christ in God. So tell me the understanding of how someone who is a regenerate follower of Jesus Christ can go and plunge themselves into a flood of dissipation and still call themselves a true, born-again, regenerate sheep. Tell me. It's kind of difficult, isn't it? But we have a culture that says anything goes. Who are you? Who are you to tell me? Hey, listen, don't talk about that stuff. That's that's taking the scripture out of context, really. I wonder why the national suicide rate, the depression rate is unheard of. You You know that America, by a staggering degree, has more pills being fed into our people than anywhere on the planet? By a staggering number, you know that America eats more pain pills per person than anywhere on the planet combined. Huh, wonder why? You excuse God, you'll find out why. Huh, I don't know how these school shootings can happen. Where was God? What do you mean, where was God? Don't tell me where is God. Don't even ask the question. You sound foolish in asking it. He was kicked out a long time ago, the same way that in so many churches, he has been excused also. Pastors don't encourage their people to read God's word. People do not, are not challenged to be holy because God is holy. They're not called to be conforming into the likeness of Christ. They're not involved in discipleship. They're merely going as a token a token gesture of, well, I went to church on Sunday. You go on Sunday morning, put your Holy Spirit life preserver for an hour, you hang it when you leave, and guess what? You go out the rest of the week and live like H-E double hockey sticks. But it's no big deal because I prayed and I got saved one time 46 years ago. Again, I would assure you, I would look to Scripture, as a matter of fact, most notably in Matthew chapter 7, if you have that mindset and that thinking, because it is no, in no way Conducive, or in any way in line with what Scripture says about being a regenerate follower of Christ, a disciple. You know what else? You know that the way I'm even preaching right now, you might, ooh, man, Brother Jonathan's on fire. As a matter of fact, I'm as cool as ice compared to pastors 100 years ago. You think what I'm saying is offensive? They would have had you curled. Your toes would be curled right now, and every one of you would probably be running for the back door feeling completely hopeless if you heard how they preached 100 years ago. This is the truth that it's not what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. You and I, from right this moment till the day that we die, should be saying, God, ouch, every sermon convicts me. And what that is, is the element with which God conforms us into his likeness and the sanctification process which we're in. Being sanctificate, sanctified is a process of sanctification that does not culminate until one day when it has culminated, you will find out exactly what Mr. Chumley found out last night. His faith became sight. He went to the presence of the Lord to receive his reward. And that is a glorious event. In no way something to weep over or to be sad over for not only the person, but even the family. What a great home going. Ninety, uh, 90 Ninety-nine years. Praise God. You know what that even signifies? What does scripture talk about with long life? Praise God. And then ladies, you godly women, the end of that Proverbs 31, you know, the, hey, they call her blessed, great scripture. I'll never forget it with a funeral I attended about eight or nine years ago. Here in those, those pro, it's just it was so powerful, so awesome. And see, that's what it's supposed to be. It's where we have run the race To completion, faithfully, and a homegoing is truly a celebration of a race well run. Can you imagine? I'll tell you what what churns my insides. When I'm called to go to a funeral or preach a funeral, that I don't ever remember seeing any fruit in it at all. And I've had time after time, somebody will get me this the side and say, hey, I'm really struggling. What? I never saw, and I, you know what I tell them? I don't go, well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> get a little hot in here, a little worried for them. You know what I say? I say, you know, I understand your concerns, but let me just tell you something. I'm so thankful that I'm not the judge. God's the judge, and God knows everything. So God knows what happened in their heart, and if they were a follower of Jesus Christ, they're in God's presence right now rejoicing. And see, I'm not a judge. I don't know. I don't know the hearts God does. And that's what I'll leave it at. Now, there's people that I've had to say that for, that if you were to ask me my personal opinion, I'd say, I don't, I, I don't even see how in any way, looking at the fruit from what Scripture says, I never, ever saw the fingerprints of Christ in their life, ever. But see, I'm not a judge. But I know one thing, woe to those who call good Evil good and good evil. Woe to them who substitute darkness for light. We saw that at the White House with that president. He did that. He celebrated darkness. We just had him do that, one. the one now, recently. Celebrated. Matter of fact, had to kick out some people who came to attend. I'm not even going to speak to what it was they were celebrating because I don't even want to say it in here. Had to kick some of them out because they couldn't keep their clothes on. But when you invite people who are celebrating wickedness and calling it light, I don't know what you expect in the first place, amen? They will call good bad and bad good. They will call darkness light and light darkness. I haven't seen a gathering of pastors up there lately. I haven't seen a gathering of religious leaders celebrated at the White House in a while. I'm just calling the truth the truth, church. This doesn't have anything to do with my, my uh, dislike for the policy issues. I'm just talking about when you have a desire for light, light will shine through. Amen? Amen? Okay, oh me. Bruce, talk to that fellow and he gets better. Would you do me a favor? Tell him I'll pay him to come out here for about a month. You know what amen is for a, for a preacher, right? That's sick him to a dog. Y'all are wanting to go home early tonight. I'm going to preach longer. Amen. Praise God I'll get him going one way or another. Uh, But church, it's important because they substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We have an adversary that's continually stalking us. You might say, Brother Jonathan, you're really fired up tonight. Most people don't know I fell today big time, big time bad. I fell backwards. I actually thought I was going to die because my head hit the concrete so hard after my body had hit from a full fault. And I remember as Bruce prayed over me, I said, I need to pray. I need you to pray because the enemy is hell-bent and has been. Even in just the years that I've been at Longview Baptist Church, if you think about my thumb last year and you think about all the things that have happened to me, you remember this? The enemy has been hell-bent on destroying me. See, I know I am not of the world. I'm of the kingdom of light. And I know that he desires to destroy me and kill me. I know this. But you know what I know? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I know that God has a plan and a purpose for me. As a matter of fact, as I had fallen, I laid there, and the first thought that came into my, I had three uh, hospice patients yesterday that I took care of that are in eminent eminent place of dying. And I actually laid there, and I said, you know, I'm going to beat them to heaven. I literally thought that. I said, you know, here I was yesterday, and I'm going to beat them to heaven. And I had that thought for a moment, but see, God's not done yet. And clearly God wasn't done yet because he's had me so many times at the perfect place where it was time to roll out. You think about the motorcycle wreck just, what, six or seven years ago that even the state troopers said you should have died, son. And that's the thing I know about God and I shared with you. And that's why you want to be in the midst of God's supernatural protection. But that can't happen when we call good bad and bad good. When we are trying to substitute light for darkness and darkness for light, God can't. When we try to take bitter and make it sweet or make sweet bitter, we can't do that because what we do is, what do you mean? God isn't going to protect you? When you and I are living in rebellion, the sin of divination, the same, right, of witchcraft, no, he cannot protect us because we have separated ourselves from the inner circle and we have been placed outside the camp by our actions, Therefore, it's very important as Corinthians encourages us that when we take part in the body of Christ in an unworthy manner in sin, many of you are weak, sick, and a number of you sleep, die. So if you want to be in the most dangerous place you can be as a follower of Jesus Christ, live with unrepentant sin. And I'd encourage you not to. Because you remove the supernatural protection from the Lord. And what we do, though, is make an affront, an affront to the things of the Lord. We're saying, God, I'll do what I want to. And you can't do anything about it. Don't do that because God cannot be mocked. It doesn't say might not, shall not. He cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Those who sow to the flesh reap destruction. Those who sow to the spirit reap life everlasting. Woe are those who are wise in their own opinions. First thing that I want to share with you tonight is this. Those who celebrate evil will reap a whirlwind of judgment. Now you might go, wait a minute, bro, this is talking about the world. No, it's not church, it's just believers. as, As a matter of fact, I think it's more dangerous for Christians. Actually, much more dangerous for Christians. Why? Because God is zealous and jealous of himself. God desires to be honored, glorified, exalted. And these attacks that we have systemically seen, starting when I was a young child with the rainbow, then what's the next thing you've got going on? Okay, let's just fast forward to now. Now? It wasn't enough that we are abandoning natural relationships and leaving fatherless homes and broken homes. And uh, person, uh, a person, a, a much my senior person yesterday, uh, the way he boasted in the fact that he'd been married six times, I said, well, evidently, you've got a problem, don't you? You've got a real issue. You, you don't learn. You're a slow learner, aren't you? Boasting in the fact that he'd been married six times. I'll be honest, I've never said that. I've been embarrassed to say it. By God's grace, I'll always feel that way, amen? Because I could fall to it in a heartbeat. But the stability of never understanding that poor man has never even known what love is. Love's a commitment. It's not a feeling, church. A lot of these kids these days are getting married. Uh, What did they say? Uh, The average tenure of a marriage right now was, what was this? I saw it yesterday. Five years, eight years, something? Eight years. Eight years. I said one day I've been married for 25 or 26 years a few years ago, and the person said, To how many women? Oh, it's 25. I just married to nine of them. No. I said, One. What are you talking about? But now they're doing it. All right, so if you've been married 50 years now, you've been married 50 years. You've married 50 to six or eight. They're now trying to do No, seriously. Isn't that sad? But our culture is trying to celebrate the evil of, hey, we don't care about love. We don't care about marriage structure. We don't care about anything. Let's do what we want to do. Every man does what's right in their own eyes. Interesting, isn't it? See, when we do that, as Christians, church, we'll reap a whirlwind of destruction. God can't bless it. So the question tonight is, do you want to be in the center of God's will, his purpose, his plan for your life? Do you want God to pour his thoughts out to you? His innermost heartbeat, the heartbeat of God. Do you want him to pour out his thoughts into your life? Do you want to feel his supernatural presence like never before? You delight yourself in him and I promise you, you will experience it like no other time in your life. You pray without ceasing and find out as God begins to just pour out his thoughts to you what I'm talking about. And you'll come back to me six, eight, nine, ten months to a year from now and go, Brother Jonathan, I even know what walking with Jesus was. And it's the most incredibly sweet fellowship, the most refreshing thing I've ever experienced. And now I don't want to exit his presence. Sadly, so many believers don't even know what entering God's presence is. Because they've not taken the time to enter His presence, they've not they've not had that time of being still to know that He is God. They've not had time as they're pouring their hearts and minds into God's Word, as they're wanting to just feast on every word of God's Word, praying it in and seeing God just pour out wisdom to them. And it breaks my heart as I week in, I'm trying week in and week out to just shout from my, my the loudest of voices. to, To challenge every person in here, I dare you to read God's Word. I'm trying everything in my power because why? I know it'll change your life. I know it'll change like it's done my life. It will change your family. It doesn't matter if you're a single person. It'll change your life of singularity. It'll change your life as grandparents. It'll change your life as a worker It'll change your life and you'll begin to walk by faith and not by sight. And God will literally move mountains that you used to spend enormous amounts of effort doing. And God will say, all I wanted you to do was come to me all you were weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. And God will give you that sweet sleep and that rest. And you'll see all these, these mountains of trials and tribulations. You'll watch those literally just melt away like they're nothing. Because God doesn't lie. And what you'll start to experience is that sweet fellowship of staying and entering in God's presence and you will not want to exit it. And by the way, the days that you ever miss reading his word, you will feel like you've walked out of your house with no clothes on, which spiritually that's what happens when you don't. It's spiritual armor is clothing. And walking out without being in God's presence and in his word in the morning's church, you're walking out literally to battle with no armor on. That's what it is. And that's why Scripture says, take up the full armor. But see, those who celebrate evil, they're going to reap a whirlwind of judgment. Believers that, that want to celebrate. And maybe they doing, oh, I didn't do it overtly. I didn't realize. I thought, you know, just being a good person. That No, we cannot be a part of darkness. You cannot look at what God's Word says when He speaks specifically against things, especially in the context of woe or when things are an abomination. Hey, that's God. When you think about sexual sin, people are like, well, all sins... No, it actually says when you sin, it's actually sin against the Holy Spirit. Don't tell me stealing a piece of gum is the same. The Scripture says you sin against the Holy Spirit. It's not my word, it's God's. Challenge me in it. we got to be careful. Scripture talks about that, all these relationships with multiplicity stuff. You know what happens? You be careful because what? They've got some demonic spirits that they've been dealing with. What happens when two become one flesh? You take on the demonic influence in those relationships. You better be careful. Be very careful, church. Be very, very careful of the desire of the enemy to destroy you, to steal, and to kill. He is relentless, the same way with me today. In something so innocent and so obscure, in a moment, laying on my back at an intersection, having hit my head on the ground, wondering if my skull had been cracked. In an instant, everything can change, and you've got to realize that every single day, as I say this, I don't say it because it's a good line in preaching. No, every single day is the first day of the rest of our life and can be our last moments on this earth. There is absolutely no promise that we make it home tonight. None. Zero. So are you living right now so that if this, this very night you stand in the presence of Jehovah God that you have run this race faithfully, fully and have no regrets? And if you do, I'd encourage you to deal with it tonight. Listen, verse 21 and then we're done. Woe to those who consider themselves wise and judge themselves clever. Second thing I want to share tonight, pride and arrogance will open the door to terrible choices. See, we don't have a choice but to sit back right now and see what's happening in the culture when now we've had the attack on the covenantal promise of God in the rainbow, promise not to flood. Now, We've had this attack on his marriage structure, so then you had the attack on marriage, right? And, and I'm going to marry that person, do this. Now, so that's a covenant, by the way. You know that? It's a covenant, God's covenant of marriage that we have. The structure in the Garden of Eden that God established. They attacked that. So it's a picture of all these creative things that God's done. What's the newest one? Oh, I was born a boy, but I, I really was supposed to be a girl. God just had a labeling problem that day. Where's that another attack? It's an attack, once again, on the creative covenant of male and female's roles that God created us to, to, to live in. I don't care if you're a tomboy. I don't care if you're effeminate. feminine. God still created you as a man and a woman. It doesn't matter what you think and what I think about anything. Well, they're more effeminate. They've always been a little bit, you know, stop it. Be quiet. Don't even buy into that. God created you a male, and God created you a female. You know why he did? Because God doesn't make mistakes. And you know what you and I need to do? We need to embrace the roles that God's given us, and don't for a moment even entertain the vile wickedness of believing that God made a mistake. God makes no mistakes. Do you realize a child with Down syndrome to me is one of the greatest blessings that a family can be entrusted with? And God hasn't yet entrusted us with one. I would love to have a child with Down syndrome. They're the most loving, the most compassionate, and the sweetest people you'll ever know in your lifetime. I always say to people, Do you want to know what true love is? Go spend a few days with someone with Down syndrome, and I will assure you they will love you like no one else has ever loved you in their, your life. They're a gift that our world thinks should be aborted when they do those amniocentesis. How dare this, it's disgraceful. A a family recently that I had met in the last couple years had, and I said, you know, you guys have been given a gift. So I told them too. I said, I absolutely love children with Down syndrome. They're so precious. I was able, thankfully, to have one in my church when I was very young and his mom did backyard Bible schools. His name was Petey. And I just loved, Petey set the stage for me seeing the heart. And Petey was about 30 or 40 years old at that time, but just so loving, so compassionate. And literally, it's a gift from the Lord. God doesn't make mistakes. Amen. In the night, I want you to understand this the pride and arrogance will open that door to terrible choices if we start to even entertain the fact. Oh, you know what? Somebody, I was watching Discovery Channel the other day and they said that there's a lot of flaws. In the, and if you're not reading the King James Version, you're reading the wrong Bible. Oh, don't get me started. I'm telling you, don't. I'll embarrass you. Your King James Version's very flawed, it is off newer manuscripts, not the oldest. Don't get me started. Somebody the other day had a thing going, oh, look, they've left it out. It's not the King James. These are devil's books. The stuff that's left out of the newer versions is because they were taken off the older manuscripts and it's not in the original. You want to talk about tainted versions? I'm sorry, but it's the truth. You know that for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever? Amen, which is in the King James, is not in the original. You want to talk about adding words to the Bible? There's a bunch of them added to the King James Version Church. I'm sorry if I just burst your bubble. If I cause you a theological crisis, praise Jesus. Let's start digging to the root of it. And I love King James Church. I love a lot of the King. I learned most of them as a child. I love them. I love the, if you then be risen with Christ. I even say that in King James. I learned it as a child. But we need to have arguments about things that matter. Let's go to the depth of truth. And let's not go to what I think or what you think. Or somebody this week, a week ago, I saw a woman I had said, uh, I don't even know what that said, King James. Man, this woman in a crowd of people goes, did somebody say King James? Yes, ma'am, I did. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I said, oh, ma'am, I don't use one. It was like she stepped back from a witch. She said, what do you mean? I said, ma'am, I want something as close to the original that I can understand as possible. So I used the Home Christian. I said, I really liked the ESV, uh, really liked the New American, and I liked, really liked the 1984 NIV, which was taken straight from the Dead Sea Scrolls after they'd found them. Oh, oh, she said, you just can't do that. I mean, this woman's pleading. And I said, ma'am, I have a question for you. And I'm not gonna argue this, but I just have a question. I have a lot of young people in our church and I said for 16 years I've met a lot of people that had not really had lots of schooling background but were easily able to read a Holman Christian and able to read an ESV and New American Standard would you rather them read something that they can understand and read or would you rather them read a king she said I'd rather them read something that doesn't have poison in it word for word and I said ma'am I have nothing else to talk to you about have a God blessed good day And I walked away because I realized that she has become so ingrained with that mindset. It's called dogmatic. She's become dogmatic in her belief system because someone convinced her that any other Bible. See, that's what Moses came off Mount Sinai with. Y'all know that, right? The 1611. And that's the reason that they're so. No, do we want to be true to scripture? I'll tell you what. Why don't you spend the time if you are one of those and get your little self down there to school and learn the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic if you want to be true to the old school do it. Amen? Oh me. If you want to be true to something that is authentic let's not stop at saying this translation from a pagan king is let's Let's get serious, and let's go back to the beginning. But I'm just saying, church, see, pride and that arrogance of, and I don't even want to appear that way in this. I'm just telling you, I want truth, church. I want truth. Even if that truth confronts me at the basic of levels, and I'm not, if you're a King James person, I'm not beating on you. I just want you to know, do we want to deal with truth? If you have one and you like it, like I, I quote out of it. I like it. I like the King James, but I'm going to be honest with you in the things if I'm reading the Lord's Prayer from the King James Version, I'm not going to read that last part because it's not in the Scripture. It's not in the original. So why would I read that when the Scripture clearly says those who add, so shall be the plagues added and the blessings taken away? As a matter of fact, Scripture's implicit about that, isn't it? So we want to be true to Scripture. And I don't want to fall and sit here and think that I'm All of my life, holding on to what my parents did and my grandparents did. And I just do it because, hey, that's what everybody's always said. No, I want truth. Even if truth caused me to confront long-held belief systems that are anti-godly and anti-biblical and anti-scriptural. It all falls in line with the same thing. Don't do it. Tonight's message title. Don't do it. Don't do it because if we will fall victim to shutting our minds down and not believing for a moment that something we've fallen into theologically, scripturally, spiritually, a mindset, a cultural taboo, or whatever it might be, you be careful because there's that pride and that arrogance can end up opening the door to severe consequences to us. Always be willing to allow the spirit of God, the power of God to grow us, to conform us, to prepare us for what? the number of steps that we have left on this terrestrial ball until one day we run out. There's a number of heartbeats that you and I have right now. We don't know what they are, but they're numbered. You know that? Tonight, our heartbeats are numbered, every one of us in this room. Some of you don't know that there's a lot smaller clock above you that you don't even know about tonight. It's a whole lot shorter than others are here. There's others of you who probably think it's shorter but have a whole lot longer than you think. What, what matters tonight is, what are we doing with the truth of God's Word How is it applying to us? And you can get mad at me for saying something. I'm okay with that. But remember, if I speak something based in truth on the word, by the way, why don't you bypass your anger at me and just take it to who you're really mad at? Why don't you take it to him? Because truth is something that I can't change tonight. If I could, I'd make it really easy. If it was about health and wealth and prosperity doctrine, I'd be on the top of that steeple with a big sign. We'd have a big, massive roadblock out front, and we'd be reeling people in left and right because I'd preach that till I fell over dead. It's an easy theology. But again, church, I want truth. Why? Because truth, know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ living in his purpose, plan, and will for your life? Are you caught in dogma? Are you caught in dogmatic theology and thinking about things where you're so shut to something? And you know I pre-tribulation rapture thing, and I'm mean, anybody ever says anything different, I'll fight with them. I want to talk to you. That's unbiblical. It's unscriptural. It does not matter what you think that you know exactly how it's all going to happen. We can present a path for each dispensations that people believe on the return of Christ. Don't worry about those things that don't matter. It's going to happen. Get excited about it. Study it. Look at it. But don't get so set in your thought process that anybody else who has a different thought that wants to talk with you. You want to get confrontational with them because that's not biblical. Scripture says what? As much as it concerns me, live at peace with all men. Let's pray. Father, thank you tonight, Lord, for your word. God, thank you for the challenge of this scripture, God, in helping us be reminded continually, Father, that the enemy's desiring for us to buy into that mindset of calling good, bad, and bad, good, calling light, darkness, and darkness, light. Father, sweet and bitter, sweet. Father, I pray tonight that we will be steadfast in our walk with you. We will dwell in your presence and you through the Spirit would in every single circumstance show us what you want to show us. We will know the truth and the truth will set us free. Tonight, if there's one here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray during this invitation, Lord, they would come by saving faith, by confessing their sin, placing their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. Ones that are praying for lost loved ones, for prodigals, for family members that they love that are, that are lost, God, I pray tonight as they boldly come into your presence, you'd continue to hear our prayers and do the work in hearts that you are doing and may you be glorified in it. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You wanna pray by yourself tonight? Come up. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart and today you would like to make him not only the Savior but the Lord of your life. First, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today, you know you're a sinner in need of a Savior and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and Savior. It requires you to pray, and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you want to live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.